Again, grateful to God for this opportunity we have to come uh, into his house this morning um, to hear from his word. Uh, in the uh, Bible study on Wednesday, uh, we had an opportunity to just pause and uh, meditate and reflect on the fact that God, in his divine providence, in his divine mercy and grace, has preserved his word for us through, uh, through centuries, through time, through war, through crisis, through so much. God has preserved his word for us that we, in this present age, would be able to have his word uh, so that we would be able to know him, so that we would be able to um, understand who he is, so that ultimately we would be able to know who Christ is and that we would be uh, rescued. It's such an amazing blessing. Uh, I think often we uh, kind of don't think about that, that God has preserved his word for us, uh, the great gift that it is. So excited to be here with you this morning uh, so we can continue in our study of God's word. When you think about Scripture, uh, there's an aspect of, of it where we can look at Scripture as a story, as a story. A story of what? Well, really, it, the, the center of the story is God, as we know, and then uh, we come along and see how we fit into that story. Uh, I do love a good story. I think we all do. Right, I think that's part of uh, just part of what makes us human that we that we enjoy a good story. When you think about your life, and you look back at everything that has taken place to you in your entire life, you can kind of look back and see that your life has been punctuated by these uh, different moments, certain moments that where there was something critical that happened or there was something important that happened or something scary that happened or something funny that happened. But if you look back in your life, you'll see that they are punctuated by these different moments. And often uh, we have a story to tell about these moments that punctuate our lives. Uh, especially, I love a good name story. And when I say that, I, th I think you know what I mean. Um, something like, you know, you're introduced to someone, you're meeting them for the first time, and you hear they have a very unique name, and you can't, it's almost like you can't help but ask a question, right? Where did you get your name? What, what does your name mean? Uh, how, how did that happen? What's the story? What is the story? Um, You'll get some varying answers to that question. Uh, sometimes the story is, you know, is humorous, right? Fairly lighthearted. You know, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, my parents, they were sitting around watching TV, and now my name's Urkel, right? I mean, only a few of you will actually get what that means. Um, so sometimes it's just funny. Sometimes it's uh, a family significance, right? We'll say, well, you know, I was named after my... Uh, great-grandfather after my grandfather or who did X, Y, and Z. If you come and you look into the biblical context, especially in Old Testament Israel, names 
Names were a big deal. In that a name was not just a name. Hebrew names are more like short stories that usually reveal something more than meets the eye. Names had a meaning that would reflect either um, the circumstances around the birth of the child or embody maybe the hopes that the parents had for the child or maybe the name was something prophetic about the future of the child. So many examples in Scripture you could go to. One of them you could go to is Abraham. The name Abraham means father of many. This was a name that was given to Abraham. His name was Abram. God gives him the name Abraham. It means father of many. At the time that God gives him this name, he is not a father of many. And yet, baked into this name is the story. Baked into that name is the promise that God had for Abraham. And if you look into the Old Testament, God revealed his personal covenantal name to Moses as Yahweh. Yahweh which translated in its most simplest, basic form, is I am, Yahweh, I am, the covenantal name of God. And as we come now in the Lord's Prayer to the first of six petitions that we're going to see that, that lay before God, we come to the petition in uh, Matthew chapter 6, and the second part of verse 9, which says, Hallowed be your name. Name. Now, just to circle back to last week, where we looked at the opening words, Our Father in Heaven, we saw that those opening words are the foundational awareness with which we pray, that our God is our Father. It's the, it's the awareness that we come into prayer with. And with that awareness, it, it gives us the opportunity to kind of breathe life into our prayers, breathe vitality into our prayers. We are praying to our Father, and we know that the only reason we can do that is because Jesus made that possible, that He broke with the tradition and called God what? His Father. Moreover, last week we discussed that he used the, the word Abba, the Aramaic word for what? Dearest Father, with this sense of deepest intimacy. And then more than that, we saw in amazement that he actually calls on his followers to do what? To pray in that same way, to call God our Father. Now, to the people who were listening to this, the Jews who were listening to this, this was incomprehensible. How could a mere mortal address God in such a way? But this is the foundational awareness that Jesus called his disciples, his followers, 
you and me too when we pray that God is our Father. We saw that the balance to that was the opening phrase is our Father in heaven. So we see that God is our Father, but He is also what? He is transcendent. He is sovereign. He is both our Father and our King. So He's to be approached as we sang, that we boldly we, we approach the throne. We can do that. We can approach him intimately, and yet he is our king. So we come to him with, with what? With deepest awe, with the deepest reverence, with the deepest respect. And we said that this awareness that God is our Father is really the remedy for kind of the, the lifelessness or the lack of vitality in the prayers that we might pray. So as we come to pray, maybe we should stop and take a moment to prepare ourselves before praying by reflecting for a moment on the one that we are about to speak to. See, if we think of God, His fatherhood, His omnipresence, His omniscience, His love, if we think upon that, don't you think that would make a difference in the way we pray? So after we consider this foundational awareness that we see in our Father in heaven, we now move to what? The foundational petition. Hallowed be your name. So we mentioned last week that there are, the prayer is divided into these six petitions. The first three are for God. Your name, your kingdom, your will. And the next three are for us. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us not, but deliver us. And this foundational petition, this first petition of hallowed be your name, it's not unintentional that it is first. This foundational petition is supposed to interpret and control all the rest of the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at. So first, as we think about those words, hallowed be your name. I think it's important for us to realize and think about the directionality of that statement. What direction is that statement going? Up. Upward. That as Jesus gives us this guide to prayer, the order for prayer is to have regard for God first. Now, to be sure, there are times that when in prayer, um, when prayer in regard to our own needs is all we can do. I think of Peter when he's out on those waves and he's starting to waver. What's his prayer? Lord, save me. Lord, save me, as he's sinking below the waves. Lord, save me, right? This was not a time for worship, really, right? Although the worship came soon after, after he was rescued. So 
If we are going to insist that all prayers must begin with the pattern of the Lord's Prayer, if we try to say that, um, we're kind of denying everything that we've already said about what our Father means to us. We can come to Him anytime with any need. But when you think about prayer in, in general, right, it normally begins with our hearts looking upward toward God. So if you think about that phrase, hallowed be your name, it's really going to rest on two words, right? Hallowed and name. Let's talk about name first. When you think about names today and how they operate, um, at times they're people will view the names as nothing more than kind of a label to identify people. That oftentimes we're not really thinking about uh, what a name mean, means really. I think the, the most attention that a name will get is when you're deciding what to name a child, right? That's when we really dig in to uh, names. But oftentimes, even in those situations, when you're going to name a child, the, the biggest concern is not what the name means, but more what? How does it sound? Does it sound good? Does it roll off the tongue? Right? Or maybe, hey, we have to name him after so-and-so. But even today, when you think about names, there's a sense in which names are kind of connected to identity, right? It's hard to divorce the two from each other. For example, when you are going to introduce um, a friend to someone else, what do we say? We don't say, oh, hey, uh, this is a Billy. Oh, this is, hey, this is a Sean. It's ridiculous, right? We would say, no, this is Billy. This is Sean. And if you think about God's name for a moment, when God uh, tells Moses that covenantal, that personal name, I am, I am, what does that highlight? It highlights the, the self-existence of God, that God is at the center of existence. And it also highlights the self-sufficiency of God. I am. He is. But it actually goes further than that. See, God is the creator king and in him, there is all truth and all goodness and all beauty. All of that resides in him. And as Yahweh, I am, his name embodies all the perfection of his character, the perfection of his authority 
his wisdom, his goodness, his faithfulness, his power, his justice, his mercy, his grace, his love. I am truth. I am goodness. I am wisdom. Put in whichever descriptor you'd like, Yahweh embodies its perfection. So this is why in teaching us to pray, Jesus reminds us to hallow God's name. And we'll get into the word meaning of hallow. But again, for the Jewish person that's hearing this, for, for Jesus' audience at the time when he's in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount and he says this, a name was anything but just a label because names were linked to character. Names were linked to character, and this especially applied to the name of God. Um, the reading um, this morning was from Psalm 20 that Lucas was kind enough to read for us. And in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, the psalmist says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in ho horses, but we trust in what? The name of the Lord our God. Which is to say, we trust in the character of the Lord our God. If you look into Scripture, you will see many names of God. And often, that covenant name of Yahweh is attached to another word to sort of form a name that reveals the character of God. You see it all throughout Scripture. Some examples, we have Yahweh Shalom. That is, God is our peace. This came up when, when Gideon, in, in the book of Judges, he has an encounter with the presence of God, and he thinks that he is going to die. And the, and, and the Lord comes and says, no, peace to you. And Gideon's response is a response with, oh, Yahweh, shalom. God is our peace. There's Yahweh, Jireh. The Lord will provide. And this is the name that Abraham came to know God by when on Mount Moriah where God provides that ram as a substitute for his son Isaac. Isaac in the sacrifice. And Abraham looks at that and says, the Lord will provide. Yahweh, Jireh. There's Yahweh Tzidkenu. The Lord is our righteousness. This you can see uh, the prophet Jeremiah speak about. When the people of Israel were exiled in Babylon and they were praying for rescue, hoping to be redeemed and rescued, hoping to return back home, hoping for a salvation from God. And they cried out to God in their hope, and the name was the Lord is our righteousness, Yahweh Sidkenu. And the list goes on. I was tempted to stop and 
just do another series, but that would be a series within a series within a series within a series, and I would, don't want to do that to you. But there's so many names. Yahweh Nisi, God is our banner. And you could take time on each of these and pour into the character of God. El Shaddai, Lord Almighty. El Elyon, the Most High God. Adonai, Lord or Master. All of these, all of these, what do they reflect about God? They reflect His character. And when you look at the Lord's Prayer, what is the name that is prominent in the Lord's Prayer? It is Father. Abba, Father. Dearest Father. So what does it mean to hallow God's name? Um, I'm guessing probably you haven't used the word hallow uh, in your regular vocabulary. It's an English word, but it's an archaic English word. The original Greek word that's being translated here as hallowed is hagiatso. And it's a word that means to set apart as holy. To set apart as holy. So when you think about holiness for a moment, holiness has two primary aspects. Holiness. One is purity. The other is separateness. Okay, so when you're thinking about holiness, purity and separateness. So, for God to be holy, then he is both, what, set apart for a special and unique honor and also morally perfect in every way, in every attribute. So we could say to hallow God's name is to place him above all else, that he is in a league of his own. If you're looking for an alternate term for hallow, I would give you reverence, to revere, to reverence. I want you to think with me for a moment. Praying hallowed be your name. Who is that for? Who are we praying that for? I think there's a sense that we think that, well, I'm, you know, I'm praying this to God, which we are. But does God need to know that he's holy? I don't think so. See, as we pray and we say and we confess, hallowed be your name, it's not for God's ears as much as it is for our minds and our hearts to be reminded of a critical spiritual reality. And what is that? Our Father is perfect in every way. Is he wise? 
How would you answer that question? Is he wise? You could say yes. I've got a better answer for you. Perfectly. Is he trustworthy as faithful? Perfectly. Is he good? Perfectly. Is he just? Perfectly. Is he loving? Perfectly. Is he merciful? Perfectly. Is he sovereign? Perfectly. Now, I want you to think again to, to the folks that are hearing this sermon from Jesus, these Jews who are hearing these words of Jesus. Now, they just heard Jesus reference God as his Father, and I'm sure they are maybe reeling from that a little bit. But then Jesus says, hallowed be your name. And I'm sure the Jewish people that were listening to him said, oh, hallowed be your name? We know that. We understand that. See, the people of the time and the way the teachers of the time were teaching about God's name, they understood the sacredness of God. They understood that his name is to be hallowed. And they understood his name to be sacred, but they understood it in a superficial way. See, so enormous was the respect of the ancient Hebrews for the actual name of God, Yahweh. They wouldn't speak it. They wouldn't say it. Now, Jesus says, our Father in heaven, they go, Father, whoa. But then Jesus goes, hallowed be your name. They go, oh, yeah. Yeah, we hallow his name. You know how we hallow his name? We don't say it. Check. We check the box. They wouldn't say the name, and yet this wasn't the point. But, again, this is what was happening to the law, right? We have to go back to chapter 5, where we looked through all those antitheses, where Jesus would take that Old Testament law and sort of show how the teachers of the time had kind of twisted the understanding, and then Jesus would say, well, no, this I say to you, this is how it works in the kingdom. So think about the Ten Commandments. What is one of the commandments? It's to not take the name of the Lord in vain. And then the Jewish teachers of the law said, okay, well, how do we manage this law? How do we, you know, how do we bring the standard of this law down? How do we make this law more accessible? And they said, well, how are we going to deal with it? Well, okay, if we're not going to take the Lord's name in vain, let's just not say it. And this is what was done. Everything was turned into something superficial. Something ceremonial. Something functional. Because mere religion 
can never get to the heart. In their attempt to satisfy God's law, they were checking a box, but they never really knew God. And so they knew the name of God was to be sacred, but their way to deal with it was just, don't say Yahweh. And this is how superficial religion works and how relational how a relational understanding of God does not work. And notice, what does Jesus open with? Our Father. It's a relational-based understanding to God. And yet, mere religion will always function this way. You will deal with God with your mouth, but you will never deal with God in your heart. They did realize the sacredness of the name. They realized the sacredness of the name, but not the God behind the name. So what does this hallowing actually mean? Let me give you um, a summary. It's something like, may you be given, God, may you be given that unique reverence that only your character and nature as Father demands. And this idea that God's name as, as dear Father be holy or be reverenced, it, when you think about time and how it interacts with time, there's two ways that you can look at it. One is you're, we're looking forward to an end point a final event in eternity when God's fatherhood will be fully revealed to all of creation, right? So when you think about hallowed be thy name, it's on out into eternity at the end of history. But also, the Father's name is to be hallowed when? Now. Right now. In this present age. In John chapter 15, verse, uh, John chapter 17, I'm sorry, verses 25 and 26, this is what Jesus says. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you yet, I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them and will make it known. See, in Jesus... In Christ, Jesus manifested the fatherhood of God. He manifested the Abba-ness, if you will, of God. So we start here. This pattern for prayer, what's the direction? What is the direction? Where do we start off? We start off upward to God, not outward to mankind, we don't start off outward to mankind. We don't start off inward to our own needs. Our own needs, where do we start? Upward towards God. Now, I want you to think about the current culture, the world around us, um, the modern mind, and how they would view this statement, hallowed be your name.
the modern mind, the culture that we're in right now, the world around us, cannot process that statement. They really can't make anything out of that. Because why? Because they are not thinking of God first, right? Every message, all the messaging that you will see coming in from, from the culture, from those with influence, from those with, with power, from those with authority, from those that, 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 that send the messages out, every message that you will see, every idea, every thought, all of it, all of it, is it hallowed be your name? Is that what we hear? No. What do we more often hear? Hallowed be my name. Hallowed be my name. Put some respect on my name. The modern mind, the current mind, can't process hallowed be your name. It's completely antithetical to everything that, that we are being told. They can't make sense of it because these words, they kind of take our soul where? Upward. Above and beyond just what we see, taste, touch, hear, and smell, right? These words, hallowed be your name, take us above and upward and out of that. So what do we say? Abba, Father, may your name as Father be reverenced among people now and when? Ultimately, at the end of time, for all eternity. Now, but here's a question for us. Does this petition that focuses upward, it surely does, right? You'll agree with me. It focuses us, uh, us upward. Is that it? Do we just say, hallowed be our name, and our eyes point up to this guy, and we're just, that's it? We're stuck there? Does it have anything to do with our life now, our walk now? It surely does. It surely does. Because God's name as Father is reverenced when we lead lives that reflect His fatherhood. It's this idea that we cannot truly pray, hallowed be your name, without a dedicating of our lives that comes along with that. If we pray, hallowed be your name, without the commitment that comes along with that, what are those words? They are just idle talk. They are empty phrases. And I think it's important for us to think about Jesus in this moment. Jesus as our Savior. Jesus as the perfect example. In the Gospel of John, as the cross is coming ever so near, nearer, right? Jesus is fast approaching the cross. And as the cross is coming ever so close, Jesus prays something in John chapter 12, verse 28. Jesus prayed. Again, the cross is looming. He's head, it's where he's going, he's headed directly for it. John 12, 28. Jesus prays, Father, glorify your name. 
again, the cross before him. He prays, Father, glorify your name. See, he can only pray that because he knew what that meant in terms of his own commitment to the will of God. He gave his own life so the Father's name would be glorified. So how do we do it? How do we, God's children, hallow his name in our own lives? There are many ways, right? Well, let's talk about at least, there are at least four. There are at least four. First, and this is just the kind of the starting point, I think. First, I think we should be careful with how we use God's name in our mouths. We talk about taking God's name in vain. I mean, I think it is interesting that Jesus, of all the things that he could have opened this prayer with, of all the petitions that he could open with in teaching the church how to pray, the first thing he cho told us, he chose to tell us to pray about is that what? The name of God might be regarded as sacred. So how do we understand this? I mean, I think it seems foreign to us, kind of, to place some, so much emphasis on the proper treatment of a name, and yet I think we can relate to it in a sense. Think about your own name. Think about how you feel when somebody forgets your name. Think about how you feel when somebody maybe mispronounces your name. Now, you know, it happens once, but you go through it, you say, oh, yeah, my name is, oh, you say it like, and then the next time, they forget it. They don't pronounce it right. Again and again and again and again, it happens. How do you feel? I mean, it's hard not to feel something, right? It's, it's, it's hard not to feel somewhat bothered or perplexed, right? Why is that? Think about it. Why is that? I think it's because in our mind, we have a sense that, does this person even take me seriously, right? Does this, it suggests that they don't really have enough concern for you as a person to just even get it right or just remember you. So we feel somehow, you know, kind of uncomfortable, maybe slighted in that sense. When, we're, when our name is forgotten or mispronounced. Listen, God is not sensitive in the sense that he gets upset or loses his dignity if someone doesn't regard him properly with the pronunciation of his name. But I think it helps us to kind of just get a window into the emphasis on God's name here. That we should, when we speak of him, when his name falls onto our lips, that we speak of him with reverence. And again, this is the first way to think about hallowing his name, and it, this is kind of the starting point. Secondly, we hallow his name by, by revering him, by reverencing him as father 
through our acts of private worship and public worship. That when we worship God, whether we're alone in our, by ourselves or in our families or at home, or whether we are here together in the corporate worship of God together, are we revering him as Father? I mean, think about what we do when we come here on a Sunday. Right? Is God's name truly being lifted up? Do the songs we sing lift up the name of God? Or do they lift up merely our own feelings and our own emotions? Or do they lift up the name of God? When we come together here on a Sunday, in our handling of the scriptures, in our reading of the scriptures, in our understanding of the scriptures, in our, in our, in our handling of the scripture, is God's name lifted up? Is he the center of the story? Or somehow when we handle the scriptures, when we come together, are we somehow the center of the story? Are we somehow the hero of the story instead of the Lord? When it comes to the prayers that we pray, do we have that foundational awareness that God is our Father? See, we hallow his name when we worship our God. There's a third way we can hallow his name. We reverence God and hallow his name when our beliefs about him are worthy of him. See, we can't hallow his name if we don't understand it. His word is here for us that he may reveal himself to us. So do our beliefs about him, does our thinking about him, does it, does, is it worthy of him? When we think about the Lord's Prayer, we must understand the Abba fatherhood of God. We must understand that in order to truly reverence him. The deeper our understanding, the more depth there will be to our Reverence. And we know, and we know that it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, of course. But church, we must yield to that work. As we come to close shortly this morning, the fourth way that we can revere his name we hallow his name by living a life that displays that he is our father. This demands that our lives show that we really do have a heavenly father. If someone looks at your life, can they recognize that you have a heavenly father. That when others might be overcome with fear and despair, 
that we might display maybe a sense of security and confidence. Why? Because God is our Father. And while others may struggle with being able to see any worth in themselves, they struggle with self-worth. And yet we understand our self-worth. Where does that come from? It comes from knowing that what? We are loved by who? Our Father. And while others are living, a li- living lives where, you know, I am the captain of my ship, and I am in charge, and I lead this, and I own this, and I am this, and I am that. This kind of life demands that we sort of show a simple, childlike loyalty. Why? Because we have a heavenly Father. But there's even more than this. We are not only to model that we have a Father in heaven, we are also supposed to model his fatherliness towards others. This is so important. We're not just modeling that we have a father. We are called to model his fatherliness towards others. Think of so many in this world whose own earthly fathers have abandoned them, have forgotten them, have harmed them, have hurt them, have wounded them. We are called not just, to, not just to show that we have a father, but to model his fatherliness to those and to everyone. When we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we are dedicating ourselves to lead lives that reverence all that he is. And really this phrase, hallowed be, hallowed be your name, it's really an answer to a question. It's really an answer to a big, big question. And that's this. What is the purpose of the universe? What is the purpose of everything? And nothing should be more clear or unshakable than that the purpose of the universe is for the glory of God. And how else could you say the glory of God? The hallowing of his name. See, all the other petitions in the Lord's Prayer, everything that comes after this is ultimately going to funnel up into this foundational petition. His kingdom, co- his kingdom comes. Why? His kingdom comes. For the hallowing of his name. 
His will is done for the hallowing of His name. Humans live this life sustained by bread. Why? For that. Sins are forgiven for that. Temptations are escaped for that. So as we come before God, let us learn to understand these great foundational realities of prayer and really these foundational realities of life, the truth that God is our Father, our dear Father. But let us remember that from that foundational awareness comes this foundational petition, hallowed be your name as Abba, Father. God, may our lives hallow your name. And may others see that we live as your children. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together this morning.